What up? What it do, baby? Hello, hello. Did you see the Mike DeCourcy tweet that I retweeted? No. So Mike, Mike said, those who suggest Matt Painter is anything less than one of the very best coaches in college basketball might as well admit that they just tune in for March. There's been too much of that in the past two days. Like, I responded. I responded that like, are we sure this is a hill we want to die on? Are, are we sure? <laughs> like, like I don't know, man. I'm with you. Like, is winning in the Big Ten consistently a good thing? Like, is playing a style of play in that wins in the Big Ten necessarily like- a good thing? Yeah, I mean. Let's like lead. Let's lead off with that. And let's just ramble about it. I think that let's do it. Let's Yo, do what it. up? We are back with another episode of Big Ten Coast to Coast. It's your boy Ant, along with Matt. What's up, man? I know you want to do the the Corsi, so let's go right for that. All right. Well, one shout out Mike Corsi, who's actually he's a great writer. So if you guys don't know who he is, he writes for I think he writes for who's he write for now? I'm gonna check it right when I say it. So. Uh, sporting news, and he does Big Ten Network stuff, and you'll see him around. Um, but I think he had one of his all-time worst tweets today, where he said uh, this morning, uh, 9.30 this morning, which is when everybody has great, you know, great tweets. Um, those that suggest that Matt Painter is anything less than one of the very best coaches in college basketball might as well admit they just tune in for March. There's been too much of that in the past two days. Look. Is Painter a good coach? Probably. Is he a top-tier coach? No. Right? They play Purdue plays a style of basketball that would be acceptable in 2004. But in 2023, it lags behind the curve of what modern basketball is and goes against the grain of everything that the sport has developed from the NBA on down for the last 15, 20 years. And you can win with a style like that, but then you also have to have a clutch factor. You got to be able to know how to, you know, get your team to perform under pressure situations. Right. Matt Painter has zero clutch factor, like zero, none, okay? He has shown this in the last four tournament appearances for Purdue. They have been handed on a silver platter the chance to go to final fours and to compete, legitimately compete for national championships. And for four years straight, they've had teams that are good enough to do so, or four tournaments straight and have folded at every chance. At every chance. They folded last year when I think they had the best team in the country with a pro guard, two great centers, right? And they lost to 15 seed, you know, 15 seed in the tournament. And then this year, they go and they lose to Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round when this is supposed to be their best season ever. 
there's, you can have regular season success, but this is not a participation trophy league, right? You are coaching to win a national championship. And as the years goes on, like Painter's been there, what, 10, 15 years? A long time. He was like, he, he was the coach when I played. Exactly. He's been there for so long. And this is not, this is not against Painter's personality. I have heard from so many people that he's just the nicest dude. Okay. And I'm sure he is. But at a certain point, sometimes some people just aren't cut out for it. Right. At the end of the day, they just aren't it. Right. And and I think Painter putting him on on a, a pedestal and putting him above coaches that actually try to play the modern game and are in more difficult situations to coach. Like he has built this program up, which is part of being a coach. Don't get me wrong. So that they're perennial winners. Right. And that's awesome. But they're perennial winners that fold as well every year consistently fold. It's like my analogy for this is, is pretty easy and simple. Look, uh, what I do, my day job is I teach, right? And so this is like if you have a student in your class and you love them to death, they're a great kid, they're smart, they work hard, they do all the homework assignments. Heck, they even get A's like on every single test all year long. And then you get to the final and they don't show up and they get a zero. You have to still give them a zero. They end up getting like what, a C in the class? Like if Purdue is fine with getting a C every year and winning Big Ten championships and then folding in the tournament every year in the way that they do and not showing up, that's fine. I'll accept that for them, right? But that would be unacceptable at Indiana. That would be unacceptable at Michigan. That would be unacceptable at Michigan State, right? And those are just Big Ten schools. That's not even – we're not even talking about Kentucky. We're not even talking about – and you want to say that he's not, you know, you want to say he's a top-tier coach? Like, come on. Come on. Let's get real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. And what I will also say is that, you know, there – I would almost put outside of 14 and 15, like Wisconsin's kind of in that same mold, right, where you're good enough to compete in the league. But when it comes to taking that next step, going to that next level when it comes to March. They're a, they're a step behind just because with how their team is built. Now, when they were able to go, that was a very different Wisconsin team because they had pros. They had Kaminsky. They had uh, Decker. They had Duje Dukin, who's a very underrated player in college. Um, I knew he had a chance yeah. in the league just with how big he was. But when you're looking at those teams – that that actually did something. They were built for March, right? Outside of that, have they been really built for March? For a March, not so much. This Purdue team was this Purdue team built for March? No, this team was built to compete in the regular season. This team was built to, um, and you know, you you had a you had two freshman guards be able to come in right away, and play right away. And I think that was huge for this team this year. Um, but because they had to play right away and they're playing so many minutes, 
the ceiling of this team automatically wasn't as high as you would have liked it. Um, but you know, then you're looking at the Big Ten. You're like, okay, okay, okay. Why did why did the Big Ten struggle? Like, okay, they have seven foot four Zach Eady, and they shot, you know, what high thirty percent from three. I mean, this was a very it's a very tough team to plan against. And when the conference is built a certain way, you know, we've talked about this a million times and, you know, you have someone in painter who understands the schematics of everybody else, even though they understand his, you know, he's able to craft these teams that that are going to be competitive year in and year out. Uh, I don't – I just – you know, you can't be – you can't address Matt Painter without looking at the context. You can't be all about him and then just negate the fact that he refuses to – I mean, even – I mean, it goes beyond personnel. Like, when you're playing at a certain level, you shouldn't lose these games. Like, you shouldn't lose to Bailey Dickinson. Come on. You shouldn't lose to St. Peter's. You shouldn't lose to North Texas, even though that North Texas team was okay. But still, that was, what, a 13 game? And you were playing in – I believe they were playing in Indianapolis. No? I believe that game was in Indianapolis. Which game? The game against North Texas. Yes, it was. It was in Indianapolis. Yeah, so that game was in Indiana. And you're playing against a North Texas team that was okay, but still, that just that it in, in itself didn't make didn't make much sense. It is a, it's almost like when March comes and the Big Ten tournament is done, and once Selection Sunday starts, it's almost like Matt Painter is like, this is the worst time of the year. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like he knows what's, he, or he's like, oh no, he not like bad. Eeyore. Yeah, or it's that it's that fight or flight where you are mm. in a situation that you completely dread, so you almost overanalyze, you overcoach, or you hard focus on what you trust when maybe that's right. not what's best for the team and success. So I don't know. Like I'm interested in what happens next year with that team. I'm interested in seeing who they go after in the portal. Uh, if there's any attrition, let's talk attrition with them a little bit. If you want, um, you know, what happens with Zach Eady? If Zach Eady comes let's back, what happens with TKR? What happens with first? These guys are some of the best players to, to come out of Indiana. Do they want to sit again and basically waste three years of just not doing anything and just be uh you know what I mean? Like, and then Brandon Newman, what yeah. does he do? I know Painter yeah. went to Newman late and sat Ethan Morton, but what's that going to look like when you have Miles Colvin coming in to get some of those minutes? What's going to happen if he goes out and gets another guard? Mm-hmm. Brandon Smith and Fletcher Lawyer aren't going anywhere. They started as freshmen and played a boatload of minutes. They're not going anywhere. Does Brandon New- Brandon Newman's not even a three? He's a he's an off guard. So. What does that yeah. look like? And attrition-wise, who do they who do they lose? Uh, who do they have coming in? 
Do you think Painter does a handshake like, hey, thank you for your service, but it's time for you to go as like an internal review of the program and of the roster, knowing that certain guys just aren't contributing to to the success in the postseason and maybe going out and getting guys um, who doesn't matter what you do as a coach, they're they're not going to lose these games. Yeah, this is an interesting point and an interesting topic, honestly, because I think Purdue runs their program very differently than almost every other school in the country, where for some reason or another, very rarely do people transfer out of Purdue. Right. I think, and I think that's a credit to how many, you know, how much people love Painter, right. And how much the players love him. Right. Um, and you can see it too. Like they, they will play for him to a certain point until they get to March, right. In the regular season, they'll, they'll play for him. Um, but I do think there needs to be some tough conversations to be had. And I, and like, if I'm in, let's say I'm TKR's circle, right. Cause I, I do think if you project forward for this pretty roster, I think, Gillis is gone, right? He's done after this. Um, he can can he back, come back? Right? Well, if he can come back, then this changes the complete conversation. Because I'm pretty sure he can come back. Yeah, so if Gillis can come back, I'll, let's, I'll let's say – Go ahead, go check, go check. But So let's say Gillis can come back. Then first in TKR yeah, – He can come back. So he can come back, All right. Got, well, he redshirted his first year. He has two more years if he wants. See, I think he's been there forever. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, judged, he probably will come back. He said it in 1920, right? The season didn't count in 2021. So, he's only been playing last year and this year. Yeah. I I think first in TKR have to have serious conversations with Painter about how they're going to be used, right? And I don't think either yeah. of them is going to take a jump so, like, for instance, right, like, when you go and look at Edie at Purdue, right, this was Edie's um, third year at Purdue, I believe, right? Is he the same class as Gillis? Edie is the same class as Hunter. So, whatever Hunter is, that's his So, class. Thir- this is his third year. So, Edie has two more years. He has two more years left, right? Edie last year yeah. started to become a dominant force, right? And so – they had Travion Williams, who everybody expected to start the season for them. And then Travion ended up being second fiddle to Edie, right? And would only play basically because Edie couldn't play more than 20, 23 minutes last year, right? He gets in shape. Edie plays 30 now, right? 30 plus. Yeah. That's not changing next year, okay? That's not all of a sudden changing, right? And TKR is – you know, Painter said it. I think they, they mentioned it during the broadcast, if you're paying attention. But, like, Painter said about TKR, like, he expects him to be, like, an all-Big Ten kind of big at Purdue. And my my question about that is, are you sure it's going to be at Purdue? Because he <laughs> he's not going to sit there and sit behind Edie for another year. He can't. For his own, pers- for his own development in basketball, he needs game time. He needs game time. This is nothing against the Purdue program. This is not even just me as an Indiana fan saying this because I'm salty we didn't get TKR, which I am still a little bit salty, but it's fine. Like, he needs game time. Young players need game time. 
You can practice all you want against Zach Eady every day, all you want. But at the end of the day, nothing compares to actually playing and getting real game time and real minutes. And TKR needs that. First needs that. First, to me, coming out of high school, I thought was an NBA prospect. Straight up. He's a four who's like, what, 6'10", 6'9"? Yeah, he's, I think he's all of 6'10", maybe even 6'11". Yeah, he's tall, and he can he had touch, and he's got he's got shooting touch. Like I thought for sure, I'm like I'm looking at him, and I'm like he is your prototypical NBA stretch four, straight up. And I think he's a guy that can switch on to smaller guys too. Like I'm looking at that dude, and I'm like, holy crap! Like Purdue's got a guy, and he can't play over Mason Gillis. Like don't get me wrong, I think Mason Gillis is is a good player. And I would love for him to play at Indiana. I think he'd probably walk on to a lot of rosters in the Big Ten. I think there's there's more upside mm-hmm. with first playing, and it gives you even more size if you're Purdue. So I, there has to be some tough conversations because these guys, like, they're not going to be running platoon systems next year at, at Purdue. You're losing your backup point guard next year, by the way. Ain't no way. Like, I don't think Jenkins can come back. Yeah, David Jenkins. That's all. Like, so what what are you going to do with that roster? So if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm not even going to lie. Like, yes, you're losing really high-quality depth if TKR and, and or first or one or both of them leave, right? But that honestly might be a good thing for Purdue and Brandon Brandon Newman leaving as well. If I'm going to be honest, because then they can bring in some some guys that can actually give the, the program a little bit more life. Right? Like, I think they need some older guys on that team. And I know that the guards are going to go from freshman to sophomore year, and it's supposed to be like, oh, they can take a turn or whatever. But I think getting in some experience and some winning experience, like, go go look at the teams that are in the Final Four. Like, I'm, I'm certain there's going to be, like, a, a Matthew – Meyer on one of those teams, right? A guy that leaves, been part about the winning formula at the school, knows he's not going to start next year, and he's going to leave. Go get a guy like that. Purdue needs dudes in their program that know how to win. Jenkins came from, yeah. you know, UNLV. UNLV wasn't a winning program. Utah. And South Dakota, yeah, like, yeah. South Dakota State. These aren't winning programs. You got to go get guys that know how to win. And you add them to a roster of a bunch of guys that are going to be really pissed off going into next year. Like, that's what you want if you're a Purdue fan. That's what you want. And that, that, would, that terrifies me as, as an IU guy. But, like, they, they need winners in that program. They need winners. They need some dogs. I got a bunch of puppies. They need yeah, some yeah. Dogs. You need some guys that don't fold under pressure. Who are the Because Edie's. I don't see it. Yeah, who are the dogs on that, that team? It's Edie. I think Edie's a dog. Like, you can tell he, how pissed he was. He did not deserve to lose that game. He tried his damnedest to win that game. Yeah, he blew a couple layups. That happens. But that, you know, he was working against, like, a triple team all night. He, he. Everybody else was just. Yeah, eyes. everybody else was just standing out there terrified because he couldn't touch the ball. Like, that's not on Edie, okay? And I think Zach E's a, a great kid. And I like to make fun of him, but he he's a, he's a genuinely fantastic basketball player, and he's more than just tall. 
And so again, we're we're sitting here talking about Purdue. I I can't name you another dog on the roster. I thought Braden Smith was going to be that guy, but you know he was a freshman this year, and, and I guess maybe that's a freshman thing, and maybe his sophomore year he starts to become one. But like that's a maybe, right? You got to go get guys that you know have gone and done and won things and been through battles and are battle tested and aren't going to fold when they're under pressure. And if you're Purdue, you can go and do that, right? Because you can show them, hey, even though we sucked last year, we lost, you know, we had the worst ending possible last year, right? The suckiest ending ever. We're a winning program. Go look at our, our last four regular seasons, right? Go look at the last three. Go look what we did with Ivy, right? But Jaden Ivy, right? They can go into a recruits home. They can go into a transfers home. They can get into their, you know, talk to them and their agent and show them these things. Purdue, when they run offense, runs good stuff. Like I was going to say this earlier, but you were talking. I didn't want to interrupt you. But Purdue last year ran some of the best offense I've seen in the Big Ten, especially when Trayvon Williams was on the court. I mean, they were – They'd share the ball so well. Everybody could shoot the ball. You had Jaden Ivey was was running point for like you know secondary point for them. They were fun to watch. He was dunking on people. They were fun to watch, mm-hmm. and they folded because they couldn't play defense. This year they played great defense and they folded because they couldn't execute on offense. It's like you got to get guys that play on both ends of the court, and that's what confuses me about Ethan Morton and confuses me about. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, first not playing, right? You got to get guys that do both. And you, you're starting Ethan Morton, who gives you nothing on offense. So uh, there's a lot of hard conversations that need to go on at Purdue this summer. Um, and I'm sure they're going to have them because, I mean, they can't shy away from it now. They they just had the most embarrassing end to a season ever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a more embarrassing meltdown that I've ever seen um, in college sports uh, period. This was in the postseason. This is a, this is a one loss. You're done situation. You are one of the top seeds as a one and you're playing a 16 play in seed that didn't even really technically qualify <laughs> for the third. They didn't deserve to be there. They didn't they deserve no to be banners. there. They had no. The only banner that they were going to hang this year was a participation in the NCAA tournament of 2023. That was the only one. But you know what? Now they've won two NCAA tournament games. They're probably going to lose in the round of 30 to 32 to FAU. Won't be shocked if they get blown out. Um but you were, but the blowout—if they get blown out by FAU—I think people are going to go back to Purdue and roast them even harder. They're going to roast them even harder. Yeah, and and that's what's going to be tough. And from a Big Ten standpoint, people are looking at Purdue like, "Look, you're supposed to be—you were—you were supposed to be the the driver of the car. You're supposed to be." the one who gets us through this, you know, the fact that they mm-hmm. not only didn't mm-hmm. do that, but went above and beyond of your straight embarrassing the conference 
Um, it's going to be really hard to um, – like, this is going to stick. St. Peter stuck with me through the summer. Then I let it go. I was like, you know what? You know what? We'll we'll see what Purdue got. And then we saw them dismantle right. Duke and Gonzaga. Not going to lie. Made me forget about that St. Peter's debacle. I forgot about it. This year, I don't care if they beat the number one team in the country by 50 points. I'm going to say St. Peter's, FDU, North Texas. I do not care until the round of 64 next year. I don't care. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can go win the conference next year, and everybody will be saying the same thing. They got an, they got an answer for this. This is this is like crime against the Big Ten, not humanity, but the Big Ten. This, that's what this is, right? For they have to answer for this. Already, the, the conference already gets ripped on. It already gets ripped on nationally. People yep. are trying to stretch it out, saying Purdue. Uh, you know, you know, you know, Big Ten once again. Meh. I'm like. No, they went four and two in their in their seven eight nine ten games. Those are games against pretty much pretty even competition, right? And then, uh, yeah, but look, they went oh three. They lost yep. against all the high seats. Like okay, like okay, like that's how that goes. You play a middle team in the conference that beat a middle team in another conference, but they can't beat one of the best teams in the country. I get it. And in two of those games, they were right there. Northwestern was right there with UCLA at the end, didn't make enough shots. Penn State was right there with Texas in the end, made a really bad error, didn't make enough shots at the beginning. You know, like those I can can live with. I can live with that. I can even live with Maryland. First-year coach Kevin Willard taking that team, that roster in his very first year, beating a West Virginia team that nobody – thought was going to happen, which was wild to even see. And then for them to go out there and compete against Alabama, right. which they were in that game for the first 25 minutes, 25, 30 minutes or so, and then they just kind of – 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, which is tough. But, you know, you're looking at um, – you're just looking at, like, like who who is, who, who is Purdue and why can't they – why can't they do anything? In 2016, I'm I'm going all the way back here. Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> so in 2013-2014, they missed the tournament. They go 5 and 13 in the Big 10. Uh from that point on, they've been there every single year. Uh they go and they go and lose in the round of 64 in 2015, I believe. That was the Arkansas Little Rock game, I want to say. Was that the one? Yeah, that's the Little Rock game to uh, Chris Beard. I believe. Yeah, so they lost to Chris Beard in the tournament in 2015 to Little Rock. He then went on to Texas Tech, obviously. Went on to do some good and some very bad yep. stuff. Um, yeah, lost in the right. first round in 2016. Uh, yeah, who did they lose? Who did they lose in 2016? Who, who did they lose to? Um, oh, they lost to Little Rock then. That was a 5 12 game. Who did no, they so lose? Little Rock was 16. Yeah, who did they lose to in 15 in the first round? 
oh, that was an 8-9 game. Okay, I can take that. And they lost in overtime. I can take that. But Yeah, that's fine. You lose a you lose to the twelve and sixteen and seventeen. You um you go get Spike Albrecht, someone who's someone who's clearly been to uh, yeah. big games, and you lose in the Sweet Sixteen to uh, to Kansas, which is hey, you know what? You lose to Kansas, who was a one seed. You were a four. That's what you're supposed to do. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. No gripes with that at all whatsoever. In 18, sweet yeah. 16 again, and you lose 2-3 game. That's that's fine. They were the two. Texas Tech was the three. That's fine. I can see it happening. It happens. It happens. It happens. You lose that game. Elite eight, that was the Carson Edwards year. Put you guys on the back. It, it was you know, he had an outstanding year in 2020. They were going to make the tournament, even if they did have one. Right. And then you have North Texas in 21, and then you have uh, St. Peter's in 22. Then you have Fairleigh Dickinson in 23. So that's um, that's tough. That's really really tough. I don't know what they're gonna. I don't. I don't know what they're gonna do. Who do you think they missed the most this year? Out of everyone who left and could have returned, that could have been Eric Hunter, Isaiah Thompson, Jaden Ivey, Trevion Williams, Sasha Stefanovic. Who do you think they missed the most? Well, <laughs> after that game, it was Sasha Stefanovic. Um, but I think whole season wise, I mean, probably. Probably their point guard, right? Eric Hunter. Eric Hunter. I I think they they needed they needed another ball handler, especially when again they they were struggling against the press. And I don't know if it's just like a Purdue thing. No, it's not a Purdue thing because they had two ball handlers last year. It's like I think when you you ha- go against the press or teams that you know full court press you or, or run pressure defense, you need multiple ball handlers on your team, right? Um. And that's very beatable in modern basketball because most teams normally do that. I think if Eric Hunter stays, like, again, he he didn't have, like, a special season or anything at Butler, but he's a usable player. And they lost they lost a usable player for freshmen who at times were, don't worry, fantastic, right? And other times completely unusable. When it, when it comes to just leadership right. and when it comes down to – yeah. Even just rubbing shoulders with these guys. Hey, here's some pointers. Hey, here's how you break the press. What this is what they're they want you to do. Don't rush through this sequence. Just take your time. Take a step back. Relax. Breathe. Just because you break a press and you have a three on two, doesn't mean you have to go for it. Like it's okay to understand time and score. What's the game situation like? Are we up? Are we down? Are we on a roll? Have we been able to run good offense recently? Like you have to evaluate all these things when you're, you know, going up the court. But I do feel that they 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 did miss some leadership in the backcourt this year. And I know and I know a very easy answer would have been Jaden Ivey, of course. But I just think for the growth of this team, um, we didn't want to go with a very obvious answer there. But I think someone like Eric 
I mean, Ivy was never ever going to return, anyways. Like, <laughs> I, like he was never ever going like, to. I didn't even consider him as a realistic option for that, right? Right. Because um, again, so go chase your dream. Great. You know what, man? I'll also say Isaiah Thompson could have been a decent option too. Someone who you know, and his brother's a, a coach. Yeah, like I don't think he would have taken Braden Smith's job, but I think as a backup and just once again rubbing shoulders with someone who's been there. Um, would have been great for leadership. Just, just someone who could like mentor the younger group and helping them along. Either of them, I think, are, is an acceptable answer. Honestly, either of them, either of them. I like they needed another guard on that team. They did. Their bench is pathetic. Outside of the the two bigs and Jenkins, pathetic. Yeah. Brandon Newman, what do you think he does? Do you think he? Do you think he's that? He's got to. Tra- he has to transfer. He has to transfer. Who, like, who is he going to play over next year? He's 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 going to go back to Ethan Morton. I'm telling you that right now. Absolutely, because they won games to Ethan Morton. He thinks he's part of the winning formula. And you know what? I think Ethan Morton plays yeah. decent defense. I think his at times secondary playmaking is is excellent in that offense. I just I he's I just think he's a mid college basketball player. And again, yeah. you have a you have a, a a what's the what's the word what's the adjective and, and thing I want to describe him as? You don't have a game changer at point guard, okay? He's more of this is this almost akin to the Michigan argument, right? You have JJ McCarthy and you have Cade McNamara. I would say right now you have a Cade McNamara at point guard. Right. At Purdue, you got a game manager, right? So that's not a guy that's gonna to blow up, right? He's more of a game manager, that. and that's fine. You can win with a game manager point guard, right? Your your two guard is Fletcher Lawyer, who's a really good, a really good spot up shooter. I think he's a really good, you know, off ball guy. But you need somebody else as your third ball handler that's going to be explosive. Right, you need an explosive guy in that roster that can go get his. That's not Ethan Morton. That's not Mason Gillis. They got a bunch of below the rim guys. They got a bunch of below the rim guys, but Miles Colvin coming in. Look, electric. I like Miles Colvin. He's electric, but he's is he going to work his way in front of all of these guys? Paint isn't afraid to play freshman. If, if, no, he's not. He's After this year, I agree. He, look, Colvin has come a in ready. If you come in ready. And you're doing all the right things in the offseason. Miles Colvin can play right away. Paint will paint will say, yes, you will play over this sophomore, junior, senior. I think Paint just wants guys who are going to come in, work hard, and just play the right and just play the right way and show that they want to get better. The ones that come in and kind of just rest on their laurels are the ones that never really get in that rotation starting type of minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think Colvin's a really good player, actually, and and I'm really high on him. You're high on him as well. He's a guy that plays, you know, in Indianapolis for Heritage, and then plays any high school basketball. Like those guys, as freshmen, come in and they're ready to play. Like they'll look at the two freshmen for Purdue this year. You can go look at Trace Jackson Davis. All these, you know, insert names of of you know, Trey Galloway, right? All these guys, if they grow up playing Indiana high school basketball, they can go and play at these programs. And I think Miles Coleman will be a, a factor for them next year. But I must like what 
he's not going to play over Ethan Martin to start. I don't think. True. True. He'll have to earn it. He'd have to have a. He'd have to have an excellent summer. He'd have to have like an impossibly good summer. And to get over a guy that started. So in rotation minutes that are so impactful, Painter has no choice but to play him. Right, and then you also you factor in okay, who's the backup point guard for them next year? I don't know. I think they go out and get somebody. I think they, they got go they and- got to go out and get somebody. They got to go out and get somebody. They got to go out and get somebody. They got to go. They got to go get somebody in the portal that can that can be point guard. Um, you know, if Brandon Newman stays, right? Let's say everybody on the roster stays. Like how much that's taking away from Miles Colvin's playing time. Yeah, I think. How many do they? How many do they go out and get? Do they get? Because if because if Edie leaves, how many people else leave? Edie. Who else? That's it, right? I'm looking at the roster right now. Okay, so Edie, is he going? Jenkins leaves. Edie's the only. Jenkins. Well, Jenkins has to leave. Jenkins has to leave. Yeah, I think who probably leaves for the NBA, I would say. If I had to go out on a, a limb and say that, that's not even just like my copium talking. I just legitimately think I don't think a stock is ever going to get higher than it is right now. Do you even leave off the embarrassing. Do you leave I know, but that's, that's the problem, right? Now there's some emotionality to it, right? There's some emotion there, right? Because yeah. I – like personally, I, I know Edie he plays like he loves Purdue, right? And that school's given everything to him, right? And he gives everything's back to that school. And it's an awesome relationship that they have. I don't know how if I had the same relationship with IU or wherever the hell I played, I could not leave them the way he would be leaving them right now. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring I legitimately couldn't bring myself to do it. No matter how many people how many times people tried to talk me into the NBA. I would be too competitive to want to leave. I'm like, I can't leave this way. It'd be too, it'd be too, like such a bad, like the worst possible taste to leave in the mouth, mouth of Purdue fans. And it's not like he's leaving to go be a lottery pick. He's leaving. Right, he would be leaving to be a second round pick with a two-way contract. Yeah, like that's what he'll be leaving for. So in reality... He's like, leaving because, like, if his stock is never going to be higher, that will be a good reason for him to come back. If you're Purdue, you have to put together an, an NIL package for him that's going to be comparable to either playing overseas or playing in a two-way contract at minimum. you got to give him some type of, like, Exhibit 10. This is what you get if you're in the G League. What's the – What's the what's the number on that? What's the what's the one one fifty, which is not a lot. Okay. For now to play the year, you should be seven figures. Easy, right? So okay. Yeah. If 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 Trace X Davis won National Player of the Year and returned to Indiana last for this year, I get I will tell you this much. Trace is getting seven figures in NIL this year. He would have gotten like multiple seven figures. Okay. I'm talking like four, five, six, maybe. I'm not even kidding. Walker you. Walker can hear this. He he needs to do some push push-ups listening to these numbers right now. He does. He does. And that's what college basketball players can make these days. They can make that money. It's insane. 
crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And then there, there's money, money floating around. So much money. So like Purdue should be able to keep him. They went after Illinois went after Kofi the same way. I heard they offered him between one and one point five. I believe it was around one three, one two, one point three million to stay at Illinois this year. I think he was just tired of school, but you know what I heard a few months in? He wishes that he went back to school because being a pro is way different than being big man on campus. Your name is always in the spotlight. Your name is always being set on ESPN, CBS. This is the last time that a lot of these dudes are going to be looked at in this light. Um, I can even put Hunter Dickinson in that. I can even put TJD in that as well, where are these guys going to be franchise players in the league? Probably not. This is the last time that they're going to be big men on campus, always be mentioned. And you, and once you leave, you can't get this back. You can't get this back. So um, so with Edie, man, if I were him, I'd probably come back in a worse draft next year. <laughs> Maybe even move up a few notches because this, cause this draft is pretty loaded when you're looking at the uh, the, the first 20, 25 picks or so and then then the then your average draft pick is now a bit you know it's it's being is a little bit further back into that early second mid second type of range um i didn't know that we were going to talk so much purdue today but i let's see tournament just a little bit okay go ahead, wait, go ahead. Wait. Last thing on Purdue. Wait, wait. Last thing on Purdue. Last thing on Purdue. I just looked up their scholarship chart. They have, um, I believe, they have how many how many commits they have coming in next year? One as as Colvin is the only one because Draven Gibbs Lawhorn Lawhorn decommitted. Correct. Uh, decommitted is he's the one. Yeah, yeah. So he he decommitted. So they have one open roster spot as of right now, going into next year, which will be a transfer, which I think will be a point guard. Um, is that counting Edie? That's counting with Edie coming back. Yeah. Okay, so that's one. So if Edie leaves, they'll have two. And if they have two, two. I'm, dude, I'm going to say this right now. If they have two, one of them is going to go to the best, the best big that Purdue can get. And the other one is going to go to um, a backcourt player. Yeah, but I just – I think – I, I if, don't think TKR – I don't think Painter is sold. I don't think Painter is sold on TKR. Honestly, like I don't think he's sold. On, That's on so sad. Thirty-five minutes. Are you sold that he's sold on that? No, I I I agree with you, but I think it's so sad because TKR, TKR and <laughs> and Caleb First are such big. They're such big prospects. They're such big prospects. Both of them are. They could both be stretch fours. Both yeah, of them. They're both like the. Yeah, but how does how does Painter play? Look at look at his big. I know, I know. That so that's why dude, that's why their commitment never made any sense to me. It never made any sense to me, Ant. It never made any sense at all. And you know what? You know what's the the worst thing in the world for them is that they have. Potentially Zach Eady 2.0 on the roster. And his name's William Berg. He's a freshman from William Finland yeah. who's also seven foot three. Yeah. Like he could just go back and run it back with the same offense 
with Berg. Right? And then all of a sudden they're they're behind a guy that's if Berg doesn't finish the way that Edie does, they're in trouble. Right. So again, I this this confuses me. I didn't see anything out of Camden He Heedy this year. I didn't see anything out of Brian Waddell. And those are two guys on the roster. Aren't they ever going to play for the team? I don't think so. Brian Waddell is like a 10th rotational guy. He'll he'll stay there. He is a legacy. His dad played there at Purdue. Yeah, and I know his dad played there. So I, I get that. But, like, are they going to play? I just look at this roster and I go, eh. Like, go look at any other – go look at Michigan State's roster, right? They, they have some – Garbage at the end of the bench that I think people are speculating is going to be gone next year. Go look at Indiana's roster, right? right. It's like modern day college basketball, your 11th, 12th, and 13th man have to be able to play. Or they got to be, they got to have some sort of upside to them. I don't see any upside on their 11th, 12th, or 13th guy on this roster. I guess they're 12th and 13th because I think Berg is tall. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me either. But you know what? They got Miles Colvin and they have Cannon Catchings coming in the year following. Catchings is so nice, bro. Yeah, he's a I'm... real good real good player. Real good player. So what does Purdue look like in year two and year three? I think twenty four twenty five is the year for them. Looking looking way forward. <laughs> I think twenty four twenty five is the year for them to really Really break out. They should no. They should. Well, that's because the the backcourt will be juniors, right? Because they'll be juniors. Colvin will be a sophomore, and then you'll have um, and then you'll have uh, catchings in as a freshman. But you're gonna have, and they're gonna find some. They're gonna find and develop some guys. They're gonna they're gonna develop some guys, and you know, Painter's a big developer. That is the thing about Purdue's. Yeah, that's the thing about Purdue. They're big developers, right? And so, again, I'm not worried about them having talent. I'm more worried about their play style. And to be I, like our conversation about first and Trey Kaufman Wren is very akin to the conversation that me and you had about Christian Lander back in the day. It's like, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, you guys, you guys, your talent, you have too much talent for you to be sitting on the bench behind people that just kill it. Just wasting You're, away. You have more talent then. This was TKR's – technically, this was his first year, right? He does have three years left. Yeah, because he redshirted. Yeah, he does have three years left of eligibility. And the first How has many guys left. are top 50 – how many guys are top 50 recruits go to a school and then redshirt their first year? When does that happen? Yeah, that doesn't really ever happen. <laughs> unless, unless it's a complete miss by – like the coaching staff and it's a miss with like playing styles, being able to gel, but that's not the situation in my opinion. Wasn't he hurt a little bit coming into his freshman year? Uh, yeah, I, I think he was a little was banged he? up and that might be the reason why. Um, but still, I mean, like that's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he was, I think he was banged up quite a bit. Um, because he, okay, suffered a fracture in his right hand during Saturday's Indian Kentucky All Star game, but I think I think something else happened. Suffered a knee er, a knee injury in early November that required surgery. Yeah, so that's what happened. 
knee a knee injury, I believe. Or was that was that was that TKR? Yes, sat out the season as a red shirt. Yeah. The knee injury in early November that required surgery. Yeah, so yeah. That's why he got, but, he redshirted. Yeah, but, but still, I mean like wow. Let's be real, he wasn't playing because there was Trevion Williams, Zach Eady, and it seemed like Painter preferred first. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was never gonna play. Yeah, no, he was never gonna play. Like, uh, I never understood that commitment. It didn't make any sense to me. It made no sense at all. You see all of the Final Four banner in the... Uh... No, because his last two ant were Indiana-Purdue. <laughs> he plays in the Indiana team last year. Like we, Indiana doesn't go and get Michael Durr. And he plays backup minutes to, to Trace. And said he went to Purdue to to get injured in redshirt in a team that he was never going to play in the first place. I don't know. It didn't make any I'm sense to me. To see if it, I'm going to be interested to see if any attrition happens. Um, it's going to be interesting because at times TKR didn't look very happy um, when he would do. I wouldn't be either. I I would be interested. I I would love to hear an interview after he leaves. I'm sure he probably won't be able to disclose this, but I want to know what he was promised, right? Because a lot of players, that's how this works, right? You extend promises to a player about roles, playing times. Sky Clark. Yeah, as said, yeah Sky, Sky Clark, Clark, right? But try to – this is more about – this is a tangent, but TKR could have pulled a Sky Clark, did not. That tells me a ton about his character, right? Yeah, he could have easily done that. Easily. 100%, and I wouldn't have blamed him either. He could have totally done that, but he sat there, you know, was a teammate, sat on the bench when he was called upon, tried to do his best, come in and play the role that Painter asked him. That's a good teammate. That's a good kid. That's somebody has a, that has a solid circle at the very least. Not Maybe not a smart circle, but a solid one, right, and a grounded one, right? What right. Sky Clark did is questionable at best. Questionable. At, at absolute best, at absolute best, man. But they got—I mean, like they got, like they got. You know, don't forget. Can't it's is it a uh, Heidi or is it Heed? Camden. I don't. I I have never seen him play. So fresh, probably redshirted. Uh, but he's like, but he's a six-seven guy, six-seven guy. Six, seven. Yeah, he's a wing. It's going to be interesting. 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 I love how – I love – yeah, we'll see what happens with, with Purdue. I, I love how we said we're going to make this short podcast. We spent 52 minutes talking about Purdue. <laughs> All about Purdue. Uh, let's touch on the NCAA tournament just a little bit. Um, uh there's what two teams left <laughs> from the Big Ten. <laughs> there is two Big Ten teams left. Michigan State plays it in about three hours time. There could be none. Who knows? Or one? Who knows? Or both? Maybe. I, I I fully expect neither of the teams to win tonight. I'll just put it that way. I fully expect um, it. If I'm taking, if I'm going from neutral perspective, 
I think Indiana struggled with teams that play four out and Miami goes four out with two of the best, some of the you know best backcourt in the country. Um, and then you've got Michigan State's playing a Marquette team that that's, I think, starting to believe in themselves, right? So that'll be tough. I think Michigan State does have a chance if they shoot well, right? You want to talk about Michigan State Marquette first? We can talk Michigan State Marquette first, but I kind of want to talk about how we went into this thinking that the East region was the easiest one, food. But with these upsets that have been going on and happening, like East and the West, not a lot of upsets, a lot of chalk. If you're looking at like West – is straight chalk, literally chalk. Yep. The best seed won every single game. The top, the top. Well, until Arkansas, Kansas yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, but I'm, but yeah, like the, the round of thirty-two part. Um, everybody won from that first round. Now, what happened now? You know, that's something else, right? But um, you know. Pretty much the same thing happened with the East, except what happened with Purdue. Like, we always know that 8-9 game is a coin flip. FAU, Fairleigh Dickinson, winner plays Tennessee. Congrats, Tennessee, right there. Then you go down to Kentucky, Kansas State. Winner plays winner of Michigan State, Marquette. Everywhere else, everywhere else outside of the West, I mean, you have, man, you have Pitt, Xavier. Xavier's up right now. Uh, that could be chalk. Uh, Miami, Indiana, uh, that's, that should be a good game. Then you have a mess on the other side. You got Princeton going through. You got, you got San Diego State. Um, but end of the day, the way that this is kind of going, there are no surprises in terms of the, the type of teams you're seeing that are moving on. Like with Arkansas, you got your pros, right? Uh, with UCLA, you have a good defense. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at San Diego And a couple guys I think can go pro. Exactly. I think they, they got a couple guys that, that can end up on, on some roster somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then you're looking at Houston, what they can do defensively. Miami, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack, very good backcourt. Uh, Indiana, they have a pro in their backcourt. Uh, when you're looking at uh, Texas, very good defensive team. They have probably a future NBA player that's not really doing much for them right now. And Dylan Mitchell, they're doing. Mitchell, uh, Creighton yeah. Baylor. Baylor has Matthew George, NBA player. Creighton has a couple guys who could make the league. Um, and then San, San Diego State got real fortunate going Charleston Furman <laughs> in their brackets. But congrats, congratulations. That's going to be a real good game, I think. That's going to be a better game than what people think, in my opinion, between Alabama and San Diego State, because San Diego State does strap up defense, and I don't think they're scared of anybody that Alabama has. Mm-hmm. But Alabama does have a pro, um, at least one pro. So that's – it's funny how all these upsets happening, all these things are happening, but the teams that emerge, it's backcourts. <laughs> Everyone, it's all about the backcourt. Whose backcourt was better that day? That's pretty much who won the game. Uh, Auburn, Houston. Auburn was in, was in control of a lot of that game, and Houston turned up the defense. 
They stopped trapping. They they uh, started playing more straight up, and Auburn couldn't do anything. At one point, they had what two field goals over fifteen minutes in the second half. It was absolute straps. And then when they fouled him, Auburn was like fifty percent from the free throw line. <laughs> it was so funny. But Tremont Mark and Shed and uh, Sasser and Jairus Walker, man, all those dudes were dogs, were absolute dogs. And that was a lot, a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, we're getting to the nitty-gritty, the Sweet 16. The only real surprise is that is that Princeton team. Um, but that, you know, that's what happens when you have an early upset with Arizona, you know. But and I'm shocked that Missouri was outplayed so badly by Prince, Princeton. I feel mm-hmm. that. That Missouri team was a team that that could very well move on and and give teams like Creighton and Baylor problems because I don't think they have anybody who can guard both Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge. But you know, Princeton figured it out and they got a four man who was annoying. He's like a little Scottie Pippen type of dude, um, averaging like fifteen six and almost five. Not a lot of dudes. What's his name? What's, What's his, his name? name? You want me to pronounce this guy's name? No, his I. It was like Tosin of Abumalabalabalala. Tosin of It's a it's a it's a acting like you know how to pronounce it. You know how to pronounce it. Hold up. No, Nithin said it in the uh, Nithin shout out uh, Indian HQ. Nithin did uh, the Nithin went to uh, Princeton game. Princeton Penn is what he saw and saw them play, so he knows how to pronounce oh, his name. Oh, he probably heard it. Abumawan, yeah, yeah. right? Abumawan. Abumawan, yeah. that's someone who I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, do you think he goes portal? Uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's only played three years. He's only played three years. I think he's only played three name. years. He, he'll be a portal name or alternatively. And this is why, by the way, runs the NCAA tournament matter. Because he's a guy who's not, I don't think on NBA pro, like drafts, you know, Radar, or maybe slightly is now. He has a good game against Keontae George yeah, and Baylor, him. right? He's going to get himself on that radar, right? Even if they have a good game, because that's what Sweet Sixteen games are. I know Illinois fans, you don't know what that's like, but there there is a spotlight now on every single one of those games. Round of thirty-two, okay, you miss a game, whatever. Like ca- casuals do that. There are not a lot of casuals that miss Sweet 16 games. Okay, This is when the NCAA tournament gets real, is the second weekend. And if he has a good performance in that game, he can very well end up on somebody's radar. The way he plays, too, because look look at him. Look at him. He's what? Um, Abuwan is 6'8", 217. He's from England. He's a senior. He's played only three years for them. Right. Oh, no. He's beans on toast. So that's a negative. And the beans on toast is kind of bad, but he's got a his wingspan. I would I don't know. I don't have it off the top of my head, but just looking at it from from like a eyes point of view, like he's gotta have a, a, a plus wingspan too. At six six seven, six eight. Yeah, and he can do a little bit of everything. He can't shoot it as well as you would really like him to. Um doesn't take a lot of threes either because they there's some guys who can shoot it and they take a lot of threes because their coach knows that they can hit those shots big huge huge example is like ty berry 
he's like 29% from three, but he takes like five a game still. Um, Tosin does not take a lot of – All right, his wingspan – wingspan is 6'11". I believe it. I believe it. 6'11 wingspan. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with that. I won't be shocked if he goes portal. And and if he does, there'll be a lot of really good teams knocking on his door. Um, and good for him. He deserves mm. it. He deserves it. Yeah. Yeah, so. he deserves it. He deserves it. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. Um, last thing I'll say, um, I, I think we've killed this joke a couple times now, but I think this will be the last time I'll say it. Uh, Arizona loses to that Princeton team, right, with Courtney Ramey in the backcourt. And Mizzou can't – sorry, Illinois can't get out of the first weekend, the first day, because they don't have a point guard. Coincidence? I think not. What's the Big Ten going to learn and adapt? You know what I want to do? Like, I want to formulate, like, the perfect Big Ten team to, like, be good in the conference but also be good in the NCAA tournament. Like, this is what you need at each position. Like, if you don't have this, you're going to well, be you're going to be off in one of them, whether you're not even going to make the tournament or you'll make the tournament and not be good. Like, you got to have both of these to be able to not only qualify for the tournament, but you have to have – this setup to do well once you get to the tournament. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the setup. I can tell you right now. Are you ready? This is the formula. Go ahead. You have a pro guard at the one or the two. The other guy needs to be an upperclassman. All right. Both of them have to be able to shoot the ball. Then you have to have a dynamic three that plays both ways. You got to have a four that's good at rebounding and a five that's good at rebounding. And that's how you win in the tournament. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree with that. What? What? Well, what would you say? Well, because I think that was Purdue last year. What you just gave me. I I know, and I I think they choked that, and that's on Painter. I think they had a roster that should have won a championship. But they were still they still played in a certain way that wasn't conducive to what they had to do. So here's where I'm at, all right? A little bit okay. different. One, you need a veteran point guard who is a really good defender but can also control pace on both sides of the ball. Okay. Your two and three, this your two and three are basically going to be, I'm going to put them together because one or the other has to be a pro and one or the other has to be a good shooter and a good playmaker. So you need those. You need two of those three qualities to be on each of the twos and the and the and the uh, three. Your four man has got to be got extremely versatile. Got to be able to play defense, switch to whoever he wants to. Can also stretch the floor. Your five cannot be a clunker. Your five mm-hmm. must be versatile. Your five must be able to run the floor. Can play different types of pick and roll coverages. Um, and has to be able to. And and has to be able to be extremely consistent, extremely consistent. So you want somebody in the mold of like for your big, you want somebody like TJD or a Julian Reese, right? Yes, yes. So the okay, so like let's let's do this, let's do this. 
Big Ten, let's go, most ideal competitive Big Ten roster. So we can just go with our five, okay? This isn't the best five. This is just the five that we believe, like, this is what you want. So I'm going to go TJD at the five. Uh, Who are some other mobile? Yeah, Pharrell Payne will be a good option, too. Payne's not a bad shot. I think Julian Reese, who I just mentioned, is is good. Um, he doesn't. He, I just think his free throws are. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And he's and he's he's still he's young. Not consistent. Though. That's the only thing. Um, that's the that, again. That's he's still young. Like he is young. I is I think young. as he grows up, he's going to turn into an, an absolute nightmare player to play against. Um, trying to think. I'm looking at I'm looking at the Big Ten teams. Um, just look at the standings, just so I could identify people. Uh, Omarui, Omarui, not very consistent. He's inconsistent around the rim. Mm-hmm. Inconsistent around the rim. Um, I really don't think in, they got they got bigs like that in the Big Ten, though. I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that, honestly. I'm going to stick with that. Rebracha, but, okay, but he's – I think he's just too small. He's inconsistent too. Yeah, he's too small. Oh, I'm going to go TJD, Pharrell Payne at the four. Oh, man. Robbie Barron. Barron well, at the four. Where was he last night, by the way? I don't – he wasn't in the game. I know. He kept him out the game. And he only had three fouls. I'm like, why is Ty Barry in the game and not Robbie Barron? Soup. That was you know, some people are gonna hate. Some are gonna hate this, but I think Mason Gillis can be in that conversation for the four. Gillis, yes, yes, because I think he's tough enough, a versatile defender, and he can shoot the ball. And he can shoot the ball. Yeah. I'll put Gillis. The problem was is he was shooting too much in that Purdue game, but like still, he was the only one willing to take a shot. Yeah. Um. You know what? I I don't want to pick Chris Murray. Because I think that's just picking your best five, and that's just not right. Because that's just not realistic. Um, yeah, you would like him there, but eh. I think Joey Hauser fits that mold as well. Hauser, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. Hauser. Just from a consistency standpoint, um, let's go with the three. Let's go with the three. Let's go with the three. Um, the problem is too, like, there's not a lot of. Let me see. Um, um, uh, Hakeem Hart. Hakeem Hart is what I was trying to say. His name is on the, the, yes. Hakeem Hart. Hakeem Hart, someone who could just do a little bit of everything, right? Big enough to make switches, get out there and just be just super annoying. And he can make shots. That's one of the biggest things. He can make shots. Um, who else is out Hakeem Hart, who else? I think Terrence Shannon also fits that mold. Can we, um, the reason why we I like AJ Hogard at the three here transfer in. You said what now? Hogard, not as a three, not as a three, because he. You don't think him as a no, three? No, because he needs to be on the ball, not not as a three, because he needs to be on the ball. Uh, he's not very good. Like, what's his value off the ball? You know. Well, what if what if you go Hogard at the three and then Tyson Walker as your point guard? 
I mean, if you know, if Walker's the point, I'm probably gonna go Buffkin as my two. Buffkin as the two. Or JHS. JHS as the two. Um I could all I could even go, yeah. So like Walker at the one, uh Boo Booey even at the one. Mm-hmm. You know, just just guys, and but I would probably go Walker. I would probably go Walker. I'd probably go Walker. Um, if we were to go, yeah, so Tyson Walker, Kobe Bufkin, Akeem Hart, Robbie Barron, TJ Dean. You're looking at, what, one person who's on first team. Yep. You're looking at Walker and Bufkin, who were mm, second, third team guys. Akeem Hart wasn't on any list. Baron Gillis Hauser wasn't on any list. So I think that would be a lineup that, hey, look, it's not like this all-star team, but it's a collection of different pieces that check all the boxes. Yep. And you would need somebody like a Trey Galloway or um, – Yeah, like you would need glue guys. Think of, so glue guys. You need glue guys off the bench. Like I would love Audige off the bench. Just coming in as a – Audige would be ridiculous off the bench. Coming yeah. in as like two or three. Um, you can have um, – we should go more – even honestly, even McCaffrey off the bench coming in as just a point guard to just settle things down. He doesn't need to be great. All he needs to do is come in and help run offense, be a veteran, make the right decisions, get guys open with Akeem Hart. Him in a pick and roll with TJD will be awesome, I think. I think Patrick McCaffrey could be, you could consider him for the three spot in the starting lineup. I don't think he shoots it well enough, and I don't think he has that. I don't think he has the. I don't think he has that gear. I don't think he has that fu mentality. I think he did a couple years ago when he wanted to dunk on everyone, but this year he's been a little bit more laid back. Been a bit more laid back. Mm. Um, man, McCaffrey, and then I'll go. Kisei Tomonaga off the bench, of course. Kane coming up? No, not you. Don't need a loose cannon. <laughs> no, I, you, you need you need your you need your uh, super super sane guy off the bench. Funk. You, you got Funk, Funk, Funk. Oh my God, no Funk should be absolutely considered for the three spot, the three or the two. Yeah, but he's not a he's not a pro, and he's not really. I know he's not a pro, two, right? Yeah, but. So uh, well, yeah, you have Funk, Adish, Trey Galloway. Who else? I didn't put. Uh, I didn't put Trey. I put uh, Adish over over Galloway. So Adish, Funk. Who else? Adish, McCaffrey, Payne, and Funk. Off the bench. Off the bench. And that's okay. I don't know. That's like a nine man rotation. And um, actually, no. Let's not. Not no. We don't go with Adish because he's. Like an all Big Ten type of guy. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Man, even not Tony Perkins. Is there anyone? Is is there uh-huh. a backup point guard that doesn't start? That's like Derek Simpson for Rutgers. Yeah, but well, he's a freshman. Yeah, he is a freshman too. Like that could be the one recruit that that plays. <laughs> hmm. Is Payne not a freshman? Payne's a sophomore. 
Payne is a freshman too. Well, well, okay, two freshmen off the bench who plays. I still, I feel like a realistic team for the Big Ten. You have, you have to have a freshman in your starting lineup if you're going to win a championship. I, I, I don't think you're going to have a, a five Ooh. guys returning. I guess one of the guys could, you know, technically you could mold from like a like like Tessa Walker's like a transfer, right? So you could technically have like a transfer, right? But like, I feel like you're not going to have the, yeah. the starting five from last year return and then all of a sudden win a championship, right? That rarely happens. Like those five guys are already in the program that are starting. All right, so Bufkin didn't really play last year. That's why I'm saying it's JHS at the two for you. Like you got you got to go get a five star freshman and bring him in. It's a pro JHS guy that's a freshman. Yeah, Walker, JHS, Keebhart, Baron, TJD, Derek Simpson, Connor McCaffrey, Payne, Funk. I think that's yep. fair. And that's a three person class. Like, that's a great three-person class. Can you imagine that? Derek Simpson, uh, JHS, and Payne as your as your three freshmen, with a transfer probably in Tyson Walker, and then your your three guys are you're bringing back are Hakeem Hart, and Joey Hauser, TJD. Actually, you want to have Terrence guys Shannon, you developed Terrence Shannon at the three to be. You can do Terrence Shannon three too. Yeah, Shannon at the three. Walker, JHS, Shannon. Robbie Barron at the four. Sure. Because I think I think people go Hauser and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I just have every star. I think Barron at the four makes sense. Robbie Barron at the four, TJD at the five. Derek Simpson, Connor McCaffrey, Pharrell Payne, Andrew Funk. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, th- I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Because with Walker and JHS, those those guys can be on or off the ball. Same with Derek Simpson. He's like an on-off off ball guy. Connor McCaffrey, more of an on-ball guy. And you can push JHS down to the three and Walker to the two, just like Connor, Mc, Connor, Mc, Mc, Connor Mc, McCaffrey kind of just rocked yeah. up. That will be a fun team. I think I, that team would be a compete fun team. for a Big Ten championship, and I think they would compete for – um, a national one too. Yeah, they'd be a one seed, I think. But the, I think their one weakness would be um, their guard defense. It'd be JHS and uh, Tyson Walker defensively. But the good news is you have guys like Barron, TJD at the rib, and you have I think what the best on ball defender in the in the league this year, or one of the best in Terrence Shannon Jr. Yeah, that's a good def- defensive team. Even like Tyson Walker, Terrence Shannon, and TJD, like those are monsters on the defensive end. I guess Tyson Walker does have good hands. I'm just saying, I, with his size, like that's what worries me. But again, he's six foot, right? And national championship teams, winning teams, have had a six foot guard for what the last like ten years or something like that. Uh, twenty, no, twenty since since Juan Dixon, no, twenty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, twenty years. Yeah, since Juan Dixon, Maryland, yeah. two thousand two. I forget who they played the national national championship. 
Yeah, that's weird. I just I can't remember off the top of my head. By the way, that that Indiana team, that Indiana team that made that championship game that year wasn't supposed to be there. I'm pretty sure they were a six or a seven seed. They had a good year. They did have a good year. They had a really good run. Afro, Jerry Jeffries. Yeah. He pops up in like the national Jeffries. Jeffries, AJ Moye. AJ Moye. Oh man, I forgot about it. AJ Moye. Was that no, that that wasn't Von Wafer. He was after that, right? I'll tell you the, the roster right now. Man, All right, so Tom Coverdale, Jared Jeff- Jeffries, AJ Moyer. Oh, no, uh, that's the redhead, right? Yeah, Coverdale. Coverdale. That's uh, it's um, he's uh, Mark Titus's guy. Um, Dane Fife, my goat. Uh, Jeff Newton, Jared Odell, um, Kyle Hornsby, Donald Perry, Mark Johnson, George Leach. That that an interesting roster because they had Tom Coverdale was, yeah, who's an absolute legend, junior, right? They had two sophomore guys that were absolute killers, six foot eleven foot Jared Jeffries who could stretch the floor, and AJ Moye. You had Dane Fife off the bench, Kyle Hornsby off the bench. You had Jeff Newton who was a a really good junior, super athletic, six foot nine guy off the bench. Like that was a well put together team. Well, what was their big upset? Duke. They beat the Carlos Boozer Duke team in the Elite Eight. Mmm. Good for them. I like it. I like it. No, sorry, in the Sweet Sixteen. Sorry, some, somebody's yelling at me. They, they beat them in the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> they beat them in the Sweet Sixteen. They were they were the five seed. Uh, they beat Duke in the Sweet Sixteen. Then they they had to play Kent State with. Um, uh, who's on that roster? Um, Antonio Gates. That's the tight end. Gates, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Antonio Gates is on that roster. They beat Antonio Gates in the Elite Eight. And then they beat the Oklahoma team with Aaron McGee um, and Hollis Price on that roster. Um, Jabari Brown in the Final Four. And then they lost to Maryland in the championship game by 12. They're one of the five. You'll get back. They're one of those. Yeah, I know. They're they're one of those five seeds that um, got lucky because they got Utah in the first round, pretty much manhandled them, and then they got a thirteen seed in the next the next round, right? So they kind of got a pass, and then they played that Duke game where they win by one over Carlos Boozer, number one Duke. I think they were number one overall seed too. Yeah, Jay Williams, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer on that roster. There's the famous picture of AJ Moya dunking Carlos or, or blocking Carlos Boozer at the rim. Mm. You'll get back there, man. And it's gonna happen. We'll and I think it's gonna happen under Woodson too. And that's not even copium. I think that's not even copium. I think I think he's a good coach, and I think he's figuring it out. I think he's figuring it out. And it's all about getting the right guys in, playing the right way, and keeping guys healthy. <laughs> 
I think yeah. Indiana, I would tell you this much. I, I'm actually writing an article right now about it. I think Indiana's three years away. I think they're three. I think 24, 25, that, when that class gets there from Indiana, I think Indiana will probably have one or two of those guys on the roster. Um, and if you go and look at who they're bringing in over the next couple of years, I genuinely think that, um, you know, the freshmen that are coming in this, this year for their class for Indiana and that's Gabe cups and Shakai Newton will be leaving their senior year with a shot at a national title. Mm. So it's going to be you and Purdue for the for for the national championship. It could be, and you you go look at that that what Indiana has as far as in state talent the next three or four years that they got some guys coming out of that state. Okay, and if they can keep if they can keep uh, Tom Izzo's grimy hands off of them, that'd be good. Ohio has some dudes coming too. Ohio got some dudes coming too. I can't wait for these classes. But um, but yo, they used to play. Wait, Ant. They used to play a tournament in in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called the. Why? You know, I don't know, but that was the worst tournament I've ever. I've ever it was disgusting. It was disgusting. We played. Who who we played uh, out there? We played Butler out there. They hit us with like 17 threes or something stupid. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. I'm looking at the Great Alaska shootout. It's interesting. Yeah, we played that. We so played last year was 2017. Wow. I forget who who was the coach at Butler when I was there. When I played. Who's the coach? In- I'm looking at 2007 Butler is um, Brad Stevens. Oh, wait. Oh, 07, oh, 08. Was it Brad Stevens? Brad Stevens. It was his first year as Butler's head coach. They went 30 and 4. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Swear to God. 07, oh, 08. I'm like on the Wikipedia page right now. Yeah, they beat Michigan 79 65 in the Great Alaskan Shootout. Like the fact that it was just a fourteen point game is a miracle. Like they they hit literally they hit like seventeen threes. Go go look at the box score of that game. I'm trying to find it. It was bad. It was so bad. It was so bad, man. They they absolutely waxed us. Absolutely waxed us. I don't even know if they're going to have that game anywhere because they hit so many threes. Oh, I found it. All right, Butler, 4-0 and against Michigan, who was 2-2 and at the time. Anthony Wright played 16 minutes, had one field goal attempt, made zero, had one point. Um... Hey, I made a free throw, though. You did make a free throw. Uh, yeah, Pete Campbell had 18. Five, don't uh, mention the five rebounds. I was second on the team in boards. Oh, I didn't even Come see on. that. 
You were second dog on team boards. Dog. You played 16 minutes. You were trying your butt off, Amp. Dog, I, I was Are we going to talk about the two turnovers? No, because – no, because <laughs> Brad Stevens saw my five rebounds and said, look, we got to we have to triangle in, into this man. So they said two at me on back-to-back possessions. I know what was going on. I'm like, ah, no, Brad Stevens, future Boston Celtics legend. Ah, you know. Hey, your guy Manny had five assists. Yeah, Manny Harris. Me. None to me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's talk. Uh, yeah, let's talk that Butler hit seventeen for thirty-two from three. They hit eight. Hey man, Indiana guys shoot man. They hit eight in the first half, and we were like, we got to stop the three, and they hit more in the second half on the same amount of attempts. I. Hey, that's that's you guys got to know the scouting report. Indiana high school basketball players, man, they they shoot the ball. And we only lost by 14. That's actually pretty impressive. That's really impressive, the fact that we, that we only lost by 14. And these dudes were just flaming, just flaming the rim. Absolutely. First year Brad Stevens. Wow, that's crazy. He was young, too, when he got hired, right? He was like. He was like 13. Yeah, he was what at max like thirty. Yeah, he was a young dude. He was a young dude. How old is he now? How old is he now? Brad Stevens' age. So whatever he is now, minus sixteen. So he was twenty-eight. Wow. No, not even. He was twenty-seven. He was twenty-seven when he was hired. Yeah. Twenty-seven when he was hired. Because he's uh, is it wild that's nineteen years ago? The what? No, seventeen. No, seventeen years ago. Seventeen, yeah. He was hired. No, so he's twenty nine. No, he was he was hired in 07. So sixteen years ago. So he was around twenty eight, something like that. Yeah, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. Math's hard, especially when you're calculating dates. But yeah, twenty eight. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that dude was super young, man. Super young, super young. And he was in, but he was also coaching before that. He was coaching as early as two thousand and one. Right? Yeah, because he he worked under uh, Thad Ma, right? He worked under someone important. You know, like, hey Brad, here you go, here you go, man. Take 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 this over. Well, I don't want to be here no more. 2001 worked as a Butler assistant. 01 to 07. Before the, I, they just have to put this in. This have to put this in the Wikipedia article. And I am literally reading it. His father often drove him to Bloomington to watch Indiana Hoosiers games. Why does this have to be in the article? Like this is is it necessary? <laughs> no. Is it necessary? He was Jesus. Assistant. To Iowa Hawkeyes legend Todd Licklider. Licklider was at Butler. Yeah. Licklider was at Butler. And then I played Licklider every single year. Every single year <laughs> in the Big Ten tournament. I'm 3 0 against him. 
Three to one against. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Steven's plan to live in a friend's basement took a job at Applebee's to pay the bills before training. Before he started training, Stevens was offered a low-paying administrative position as, as coordinator of basketball operations under Coach Thad Mata. It can't get more uh, Indiana than this. Where, where did it say that? He um, he ran the idea of quitting his job at Eli Lilly to his then girlfriend. That's that they get that's Indiana right there. That's what that is. What is Eli Lilly? What is that? You know what Eli Lilly is? All right. No. So I'll just read what their description is from Wikipedia. It's an American pharmaceutical company headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana, with offices in 18 countries. Its products are sold in approximately 125 countries. Their current revenue is $28.5 billion. Jeez, twenty five point billion. Yeah. That's like twenty eight point five billion with a B. That's like half of the uh, Harvard endowment. Yeah, they. I mean, basically every single drug you can think of under the sun, they have a hand in in making. Do they have Tylenol? I'm currently <laughs> looking at that. <laughs> I don't know what their products are. Where's the aspirin section? Um, they do uh, insulin. insulin. Oh, so they're the ones char- <laughs> charging thousands of dollars? Yeah. Uh, they so do ephromycin, ep- Prozac. Uh, they do antidepressants. Uh, schizophrenic meds. SSRIs. How did we get to talking about this? Um, here it is. Here it is. Cialis, methadone, Prozac, Zyprexa. Yeah, that's their stuff. They had a big lawsuit back in the day. But anyways, yeah, and, and they're insulin people. Look, they're not. I'm not saying they're great people, but like they are like the company in Indianapolis. Like if you fly into Indianapolis, you literally fly past a giant building that says the Lily sign on the side of it. They have like a whole. They own basically all of Southern Indianapolis. So there you go. There's your lesson today on uh, drugs. So you come to the podcast for. For us to talk about random fantasy lineups, we talked about Purdue for 50 minutes. <laughs> all the fun stuff. This is what happens when almost all the Big Ten teams are gone. <laughs> we, yeah, I know. We, we're, we're just grasping at straws now. We're going through your old box scores, making fun of the fact you had two turnovers and a free throw. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it was because Brad – In Alaska? He – he knew, he knew I could go up for five threes at any at any moment and he wanted to stop it right away. That I mean, that's true. Did you did you do anything in Alaska like fun? Or did you just stay in the hotel the whole time? No, there's giant moose that walk in the streets. It's dangerous. I know you and like Manny and the rest of the guys in that roster are just joking around the whole time with the moose. Dude, I'm I'm telling you right now, there is nothing. You guys were a bunch there. of goofballs. 
it was freezing. It was first of all, it was freezing cold. Second oh, of yeah, all, yeah, because it's like in November in Alaska. Yeah, and the sun was doing weird stuff. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, what else happened? Um, the hotel was huge. Not even like a good huge. It was just big. Was Did it they like play it in like a resort? Like was was like the game no, played was, in the same place? For, no school. Okay. You played okay. at a Division okay. II school. Okay, so it was like a high school. They were green. That's all I remember. Remember, it was a green school. That's why. Well, at least you've what... been to Alaska. Like you said, that's what one of your favorite things about playing, right? It was all the traveling. And you got to go to Alaska. It was pretty yeah, dope. Outside of Alaska, it was a lot of fun. Outside of Alaska, it was Did a lot you ever of go fun. play in Hawaii? I did. It was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. That that does like I want Indiana to go every single time they can. So so we went to Hawaii for a week, right? Fly back home. Yeah. Then we flew to Spain a few days later. Play another tournament out there. Oh, well, lucky you. That's got to be a yeah. lot of traveling. I bet you were tired as hell coming back. Because you're playing, well, too, right, the whole well, time? The, well, the, well, the jet lag evened out. It was six hours one way, and then six hours the other way. <laughs> right. So, your your sleep schedule is so reversed, upside down, <laughs> backwards. And Spain, Spain was a bit overrated, too. Like, they had um, – it was a bit overrated. Like, the city was – Cool. Where in Spain was it in Madrid or or Barcelona? Barcelona. Oh, you're Barcelona. Okay. Barcelona. So like we saw where like the '92 Olympics were. We saw that that was real cool. Um, but outside of that, man, it was like I don't know. It was really old. it was it was a it was a cool experience from a basketball standpoint, but from like a like in between games standpoint, it was weird. Like people would like smoke at the games, <laughs> like low key. Yeah, that's gotta be wild. Low key foggy in the gym. Um, man, what else? We had to. Um... Oh. That was the first time I saw Sergio Rodriguez. Um, because we had a... really yeah, so we played against. Uh, we we played against. Who was there? Real Madrid was there. Um, was AC Milan there? So, like all this, all the soccer clubs you you know from over there. There's also basketball clubs under the same umbrella. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they they they're a sporting clubs. Most of them. So they have. They yeah, don't just have. So like, they don't just do soccer. They do soccer. They do basketball. They got indoor soccer. They got hockey. Some of the northern teams do. Yeah. Yeah, and like we had to play like um, we had to play this Russian team that I forget if they if like they're if they said the the triple C then the P or if it was like C S K A there was a C and some other letters in there I could yeah C S K Moscow Moscow C S K Moscow it's a soccer that's club. who we played well, yeah. that's who we played yeah so we also played them they man. Man, we had to watch highlights of them play against this um, other team from Spain. Dude, Rush beat them dudes by like 30, and they were all just doing all these backward dunks and dunking on people. Their starting lineup was like 6'4", 6'8", 6'11". 
seven feet and like seven two. That was their starting lineup. It was yeah. You were going against the uh, the the monsters from uh, from yeah, Russia, but like we beat them by like forty. We beat them by forty. <laughs> that was the first time they played against Americans, and they didn't understand. <laughs> they they didn't <laughs> it didn't compute what we were doing on the court with them yet. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then I remember the Spanish media kept talking about how Sergio Rodriguez was the best point guard in, in the tournament and from the, from like Spain and all this stuff. Rajon Rondo was on my team and he didn't like that very much. <laughs> so when we played them, right. Rajon went for like 50 and 20 assists or something crazy. It was just, it was. <laughs> he took it personal. Yeah, he took it personal. I forget it was fifty. What do you? Oh. No, 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 no. It was like forty something, and like I don't know, like. Oh, and and mid podcast Isaiah Barnes in the transfer portal. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wolverine uh, on three. Wolverine just put it out. Oh, man. I mean, this is not surprising, not at right? All. From a Michigan perspective? Not at all. No. So, uh, I'm trying to formulate a tweet. Isaiah Barnes is in the... Isaiah Barnes in the portal is no surprise. Doesn't have a lot of tape out there. I expect. I expect American. Athletic. A10. MWC Horizon type of interest. This is for my boy. We'd love to see him at Cleveland State. Love to see him at Cleveland State. Yeah, I mean, like, we didn't talk about Michigan on this podcast. A whole lot other than, well, obviously talking about Ant's time there. Um, but, you know, I do think they have a lot of – they got a lot of – we're talking about Purdue having, you know, wasted scholarship spots and empty spots, right? A lot of junk on their bench. I think Michigan's probably yeah. – I mean, of of this, the big schools, probably number one on that category. I think there's a lot of a lot of players on that team that, personally, I don't think are up to quality of what Michigan needs, right? Um, or they're just not ready, or they just don't really fit Jawan's system. But either way, like there's a lot of there's a couple guys on that roster that probably just need to go. 
Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is, and it's it's not a it's not a situation that I don't know. It's just one of those things that like you understand. You understand where the where the where the team is. You understand where the team wants to go. You know where the team has been the last several years, and you don't want to lose that luster, right? People still view Michigan in high regard because of right March, right? Because of the pros they're putting in the first round. You don't want to lose that because before you know it, you'll be the only fan base who remembers it, right? I think as a I think nationally in Big Ten, Michigan is still looked at as mm. as that, right? But look at what happened at Arkansas. Look what happened at Arkansas. They used to right. be really freaking good in the mid-90s. Who didn't forget that? Arkansas fans. Who did forget how good they used to be? Everybody else. And that perception kills you. It kills you your public perception. It kills your perception among recruits. And it takes a coach like Muss to come in here and get Arkansas back in that light. Like, no, 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 no. This is what we do. He's he's gone to straight Elite Eights. He's put guys in the draft. Right. He's got about three or four guys who are who are on this roster who are going to be in the NBA draft either this year or next year. And you know what? Muss isn't going to stop. He's going to keep doing that. Whether it's from a transfer or whether it's from a recruit from a recruiting standpoint, listen, Musman just brought in eleven new faces, six freshmen, five transfers, and that dude just beat Kansas as an eight seed. He just beat one seed Kansas, who a lot felt could could go back to back here, um, and he went out and got that team to to just to come together and and just play as play as one, and they had injuries. They had a whole hey, – he, they could have used all the excuses in the world to explain why they did not, but they took that adversity and said, this is why we are going to, right? This is why we did. This is why we are continuing to play. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference with with a lot. Way too many excuses for these guys who, who should be doing better, right? Painter comes to mind. Jawan comes Absolutely. to mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, too many, too too many excuses. People are giving all these excuses for him. Excuse, excuses. What's the excuse when other people are doing it? Like, what's the excuse? You have the portal. You have nil. You have all these tools, and if you choose not to use them, that is on you. That is on nobody else but you. There are no excuses anymore on why you why your team is not competing for an NCAA. Maybe not a championship, but you can get to a second weekend. And you know what? People are like, eh, the second weekend is not a big deal. Are you kidding me? Did you see that Kansas-Arkansas game? How high level was that? Seriously, mm-hmm. how high level? That was probably the highest level of play of the whole tournament. Wow. That game was that so far the highest play. level of play. Man, yeah. look at that Texas-Penn State game. Are are you playing on – do you think you can really play on that level? And that's just round of 32. That's not even in Final Four yet. That's just the second game of the tournament. That's just right. the second round. People are like, eh, it's just as – like, no. First of all, right. one, it's hard to win in college. Two, it's hard to win a lot. Three, it's hard to get to the tournament. It's hard to win a game in the tournament. It's hard to win two games in the tournament. 
It's harder to win three and four and five. Like, it's so hard. But that's why you all have to be on the same page from top to bottom. That's coaches, that's staff, and that's players. And the type of players you're getting, that's why you have to trust your evaluations, whether it's from a freshman standpoint or from a transfer standpoint. Does this player take you to another level? Does this player put you in position to go out there and win? Does this player put your team in position where if me as a coach, if I don't have the answers – I recruited someone where it doesn't matter. They can go win me this game. I'll go win them the next game. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no excuses to miss the tournament at Michigan. There is none, right? Just like there isn't any at Indiana, there should be none at Purdue, and there should be none at schools like Ohio State, right? You don't miss the tournament. Michigan State, too. Yeah, you, you don't. don't. You don't miss the tournament. You don't. And and Michigan State hasn't. They haven't missed it in like over 20 years. Exactly. And it's because they got a good coach who knows what he's doing and sits there. And like, I know I'm comparing Izzo and Jawan, and Izzo's one of the all time greats for college basketball coaches. But at one point in time, he wasn't an all time great, right? And he was still getting a consistent tournament. Why? Because he had a plan and he stuck to it and it worked, right? The plan right now for what Juwan's been doing at Michigan, I feel like he's changed it about five times in like what? He's been there four years, three years, four years. I feel like it it has changed every single offseason. He's got to commit to a way and style of play and what he wants to do at Michigan and what kind of players he wants and what kind of roster he wants to build like tomorrow and stick to it. He can't go through every single offseason trying to completely overhaul it like it's an NBA roster. There has got to be some consistency. And it's frustrating to watch from a neutral perspective. The good news for Michigan fans is this. Unless they transfer, which I don't expect them to, Doug McDaniel should be back. So should Hunter Dickinson. So should Will Cheddar. So should uh, Jalen Llewellyn. Right? That's what, five, four, five guys? Joey Baker, maybe, because the red shirt, five guys that are coming back next year that played significant minutes or should have played significant minutes in, in Llewellyn's case. Right? Then you can go get two or three guys and, and build a, a, a new roster, right? Yep. But you're probably losing two guys to the, to the NBA draft. Um, you're going to lose Isaiah Barnes to the portal. I think you're probably going to lose maybe somebody else to the portal. Right, I don't know who it who it might be, but there's a lot of guys at the end of the bench that probably should go. I've heard, I've read even Terrace, right? Terrace is another guy. That's like six guys, right? You can return. There are there is some pieces to build around next year. You got to go get some some winners in the transfer portal. Yeah, and if you want, and if he, if he wants, um, because if, you, if he wants that, sorry, last thing about that, if he wants his identity of the roster to be built around transfers, I'm okay with that. Right. But there are problems, right, at Michigan when it comes to transfers, right? They got to be graduate transfers, right? So he's got to talk to admissions about graduate or first year. Right. Or so first year. Or first year transfers. He's he's got to talk to admissions about possibly changing that. Right. Well, that's also like a football issue, too. And I think it's been a little bit more lenient now with the new president in Santa Ono. Um, so you could see some changes there. 
We'll see. We'll see with this round. We'll see with this round. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't, you can't just go from, Oh, I want to build the program kind of like uh, akin to Kentucky and go and get all these pros and all these five-star guys. And then the next year go, actually, you know what? I, that didn't work. Let's go transfer portal. And then the next year go, hey, let's do both. And then now you're kind of sitting there like, well, it's gotten worse every single year. So just commit to one thing, commit to one style of building your roster. You have to have a vision. You got to have a vision. Whatever you got to have a plan. Vision, you got to do it. Like you got to, you have to just, you have to see it and you got to put it in place. And sometimes it's going to take a couple years, but you can't abandon shit at the first bad thing that goes like just stick, just stick with the plan. And the one part that is really hurting Jawan, in my opinion, is this is the first time that this is the first time that he's done it. Right? right. First time he's done it. He has nothing to really lean on. You know what I mean? So mm, yeah. So it's tough. It's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough. But um we said we were gonna do the short pod. <laughs> Of course, it was like two hours Almost long. Two hours. <laughs> we could probably break this up into two parts. We could we could do like a the first yeah. one should be the produce centric one, and then to the the rest as a different podcast. Uh, or we could just do it all. Just do it all at once. That's fine. Two hours and just have people. I mean, that works too. I like long podcasts, so it works. They can, they can listen to us ramble away. That's fine. And if and if you are. And if you're able to, uh, if you're able to listen up to this point, thank you very much. I appreciate you. No, seriously, shout out to you guys if you listen to this much because I've been rambling and we're stumbling over Wikipedia articles and we're going on Basketball Reference and looking at games from 2007. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> yes, yes, and and like let us know if you listen to the whole thing. Just uh, send Matt. And myself, just tag us both and uh, put the number 12. That's it. Just put the number 12. And and, and we'll know that mm. you listen to the whole thing. And we'll know. Is that your lucky number? Well, that was my basketball number. That was my that was my number, too. I was number 12. Now, I wanted yeah. number 21, but it was taken. But I told my childhood mm. friend um, who, who, like – like like she was big in basketball. I was too. Um, all throughout like elementary and middle school, her number was always twelve. And I told her I was like, mm. "Hey, if I ever play in college and they don't have my number, I'll use yours." So all that happened. There you go. Are you guys still friends? Yeah, we're we're still cool. We're still cool. Good. We're still cool. But yeah, man. Uh, well, thank you all for listening in. I appreciate you. Um, an array of topics we went over today, and uh, thanks for listening in per usual. And you know, you know where to catch us later. Later, bye, guys. <laughs>